I'm Jake Cornell. I'm a comedian in New York City, and for the past 10 years, I've been living and breathing the restaurant industry. This is a show where I'll be talking to comedians, actors, bartenders, chefs, and restaurant owners about all things going out. We'll talk about restaurants, bars, staying in, drinking, not drinking, and whatever else we want. This is Going Out with Jake Cornell. Welcome back to another episode of Jake Go <laughs> Going Out with Jake Cornell. I am Jake Cornell. With me is my producer and friend Katie Brown. Okay, wait, we were talking about <clears throat> TikTok. The thing about it is, is it's like it's like what WebMD was for the body and for health, now for everything in society. So it's yeah. like you can look up any behavior or like phenomenon and like you will be fed like the worst case scenario of what it is. A hundred percent. Also, like I feel like there are so many videos that are like, if you have this, this, and this, it could mean that you're like you know, you have ADHD and it's like the most like relatable things to every single oh, person who's alive. Yeah. My algorithm thinks I have full ADHD, autism. Mine like, thinks I have autism. Oh my God. There was, I, 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 I really, was actually I, convinced for, I called out the autism stuff. Cause I was like, you need to stop telling me I have autism. I don't have autism. Uh-huh. But like my, I stopped like, I just like the second I heard autism, I had to swipe and I was like, yeah, I can't watch another video telling me I might be autistic. I yeah. just like, and I'm, if you use TikTok to find that you're autistic, literally, God bless, I'm so happy for you. Yeah. I just don't think I am autistic and I'm not going to pursue it. No. <laughs> and so I, st- I don't need to see videos sort of selling it to me anymore. Yeah. For me, like I saw that, vi- I saw a couple of those videos when I was like the edible had just hit and I was like, I went to a spiral. I was like, I'm autistic. I had to like go get my roommate. I was like, do you think this is me? <laughs> she was like, I don't know. It could be. <laughs> oh no. No, but I, I don't think I am. <laughs> TikTok, there needs to be, I used to say that I swear to God that TikTok had a setting where it, or had like spyware where it knew when I had smoked weed because I was like, it's just started showing me like more fucked up shit. Like the second I got high, it'd be like way more fucked up shit. And I was like, and and now I just want there to be the opposite where I'm like, I want there to be like a stone mode where I'm like, don't show me the creepy shit. Like I'm not in a place to receive it. Just show me like the funny shit and the cute shit and the dumb shit that I like. Yes. Show me people falling down. I love videos of people getting hurt. <laughs> I low-key love videos of people getting hurt in funny I'll, like, ways. I'll be dying at a video, and then I'll show it to my boyfriend, and he'll be like, is he okay? And I'm like, that's not the point. <laughs> okay, were your was your family an America's Funniest Home Videos big family? Time, big time, big time. I feel time. like that's what, like, tic- that's, like, what TikTok... And Vine, I mean, that's, Vine, to me, that's, oh like, really central to me. And I, I have, like, I, as a comedian, I feel like I should, like, be into more, like, highbrow humor, but, like, I'm, like, ultimately, at the end of the day, like, someone just running full sprint into a wall does do it so for me. So funny. Like, it's like, like, just give me a video of a little kid hitting their dad in the penis with a baseball bat. I like that. That's okay, fun so to me. those have never done it for me. There needs to be some sort of like gravity <laughs> element to it. Like I need gravity to be involved. There needs to be like a fall. The kids hitting the, their parents in the balls has never done it for me. Why? Because I also I always think, forget wait, Keith, the- I want, I'm curious if Keith is going to agree with this. Do you feel like, like, I feel like when I see videos of people getting hit in the balls, most of the time I'm like, <laughs> they're overperforming it. Like it actually, it has to, you have to get hit in a really specific way for it to be like really painful. Like you're saying it doesn't yeah. hurt that bad. I, th- well, it's like, I think men, we sort of like, we sort of treat that if like anything happens to a man between like their knees and their belt, it's like, oh my God. And it's like, yeah. I ac- it's like actually it has <laughs> yes. to hit like a very specific two points yes. <laughs> that are not that big. Right. Like quite directly to cause the pain response that is horrible when it happens. But like, 
of the times I've been like hit in the crotch, the actual times that it's like elicited like the whatever that pain response is of like getting hit in the actual balls, like it's actually pretty slim. It is, and it's but it's actually a little little Russian roulette. Depends on how <laughs> determined the human targeting your balls. Yeah, sure. Is. So children don't know why. I've had multiple situations. <laughs> you don't even have kids. I don't have kids. Where. <laughs> I've been the victim. Just, just walking on a Toys R Us, like crotch open. No friends coming over to the house. <laughs> I showed one child my a, a boxing glove, and that was it. And it that I, sounds like you kind of set yourself up for did, that one. I, did. I was like, "Hey, look, boxing gloves. This child has a lot of energy." And it started. It started targeting. <laughs> okay, but yeah, I just think that more often than not. In the America's Funniest Home Videos one, mm -hmm. I'll see like a general crotch hit and the dad will be like, oh! and I'm like, I don't think that actually got your balls. Okay, I guess I fall for it because I don't know. Right, and I'm not, I don't want to like, t I don't want to steal that illusion from you. I don't want to steal that beauty from you. I got cold, I'm putting my shirt on. Okay. But I, thank you for <laughs> thank telling you for, me. Thank you for the approval. But it's like, <laughs> I don't think, I don't, I, if you want to live in that fantasy and enjoy those videos, continue to, I'm just explaining to you why they don't do it as much for me. I get that. I think I just like really like seeing men get hurt. Sure, <laughs> sure. Specifically, I really enjoy when like men in videos are sort of like trying to do something hubristically and it just absolutely fails. That is like really that's that's ice cream, that's candy, that's drink to me. Candy. That's like Christmas. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that hundred percent. Like, yeah, but yeah, that's what I want to see on my feed. I don't want to see a video that like makes me have like a complete breakdown that I might have a disease that I didn't know existed before the video. I remember one time I smoked weed and then it showed me a video of a girl finding a home video where she realized that she thinks her dad killed her sister, and I truly <laughs> had a breakdown. I just couldn't stop watching it, and I was so upset. Why did she post that that's, on TikTok? Okay, Have that's, a conversation with your <laughs> fucking dad. What is going on? That's Call the, the other, police. That's the other thing, is that the pipeline, like, the, the people are, like, fucking up the order of operations. It's like, have the conversation. <laughs> give once, me, once you've gone through therapy and you can, like, process when it, then post, post a video, video. When someone posts a video, okay, I get so much. When someone posts a video and it's, like, you kind of see something, like, shocking that's, like, a little unexplained, and you're like, wait, what? And then, like, they'll be, like, posted the follow-up and then you go to the follow-up and then the person's like, yeah, so I actually also have no idea what's going on. You're like, why did you post this then? There's no context. There's no narrative. I'm furious. I've just been left with the unknowing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Wait, do you believe aliens are real? That's so random. Well, it's not because I'm talking about like videos on the internet where you're like, whoa, what's happening? Like a lot of times those are like alien videos. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you believe in aliens? I mean, like, I don't necessarily think like, oh, like they're here. Like the UFOs are here. But like, I feel like I don't know, not to get all like existential, but like the, the universe is giant. Like totally just like, and I'm not like a spiritual person or religious or yeah. whatever. So like, I'm like, yeah, there's gotta be some like other breathing people, like beings out there, like right. on one of those fucking like planets. Right. I don't totally. know. Yeah. I feel like, I guess I feel the same. I just, I think at, I'm like about to turn 30. I would love for aliens to show up between my 30s and my 40s. I think I'm ready for like, I'll just be ready for a change up at that point. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Keith, you don't want kids. Is, Keith, I think your head is just blocking the camera. <laughs> <laughs> just, I know you're playing with the dog, but I can't. <laughs> Leave that in. That's raw. That's real. That's real. <laughs> no, but I think aliens showing up, I think it's like I'll have had 30 years pre-alien, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like we, I was the last generation to be pre-internet, right? Like I have a lot of memories pre-internet. I know what it was like to live before the internet. Really? Yeah. Like before like- You're not that much older than me and I don't feel like I have any memory of that. Like there was no like internet when I was like a kid. There was computers 
And I guess there was internet, but there wasn't like social media. There wasn't right, like- Right, there was no social media. There wasn't even like Google yet initially. You know what I mean? There was like- Yeah, I guess so. I never like, I honestly don't remember that. Okay, that time. I do. I mean, it makes sense. You wouldn't, cause we're, we're, our age difference is enough that it's like those child- like five years. And it's like, I was right on the cusp. Yeah, But yeah, I would yeah. love, it's like, okay, let's say aliens show up like in the next five years, 10 years, right? Okay. We get to be the last, then it's like, okay, cool. We were the last people to have like our early adulthood, teenage years, pre-alien. You know what I mean? Everyone else after that is living in a world with aliens. Like that's a cool experience to be like, I get to do both. You got it. Like, yeah. so it's like, you know what I mean? I think that would be fun to yeah. know. Like, it's like, yeah. Cause like, then like when you're, you're like in your fifties, the kids will be like, wait, it's like, what was it like before we like knew there were aliens? And it's like, yeah, it was like crazy. We were like making movies, but they were just guesses. Yeah. Jeremy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, also, I think that would be really fun. I feel like I would rather it happen a little bit later because I want to be like a little bit senile at that point. Okay, but here, you're saying that, but here's the thing. Like, what if the aliens bring a bunch of dope shit? Oh, you're thinking the aliens, it's going to be like a good thing. I don't want aliens to show up when I'm 30 and bomb the world. I want them to show up and be like, hey, like we have something better than Tylenol or like whatever. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> something better than Tylenol. Just like something like a little bit stronger than Tylenol. It's like not narcotic. And maybe they like can do like better solar panels. What if they come and they're so fucking cute? They look like little Pokemon characters. Wait, I've never thought about that. What if they're like hot and everyone's <laughs> like, I need to fuck the aliens. It's like the Katy Perry. Um, E.T. <laughs> no, but it's like what I've never thought about that before. What if the aliens show up and it's literally like no one after people see the aliens, they're like, I'm never fucking a human again. I'm only fucking those aliens. They're so hot. Yeah, but yeah, that's true. Yeah, wait, but I'm hoping that that's not the case because like- no. I, I'd rather them be like, like little characters with like really cute like, like Pokemon. Yeah, that's what I'm picturing. <laughs> if I okay, but the thing is, like, if I would, I would feel like those are the ones that would secretly be the ones that are gonna like destroy. Super the Earth. evil. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like evolutionarily, it like behooves them to be like really tiny and cute, and then like we're just gonna kill you. Yeah, but I kind of relate to that. <laughs> um. Anyway, I think, but okay. Also, part of me is like, why would they come here? Like, what do they get from that? Like. I mean, I feel like if they're smart enough to get all the way here, they're going to be like, these people don't really have like, people any go on vacation to Florida. <laughs> people go on vacation to like Austin, Texas. <laughs> you think they'd be doing it on vacation? But I'm saying, like, it's like, you're like, why do people, I'm like, why do people go anywhere? Why do people <laughs> okay. go anywhere? All right. That's true. That's true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And it's like, also like, what if they don't have, like, you have to remember, like they, they might have like a completely different thing. Like they're like, what's cheese? Oh my God. True. Do you know what I mean? Like what's. I don't know. I literally for for lunch today had just like like a container of cheese and grapes. I love that for you. I don't know why. I was just like crazy. I'm having that. a huge grape phase. I'm having a huge grape phase. I forgot about grapes. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I kind of did. I was like, I never really like think to get them. I love grapes. And I I know you don't like Greek yogurt, but I've been putting them in Greek yogurt. And I guess that's fine. It, they're so, it's so good. Do you, okay, green or purple? I do the mix pack with the two. Okay. I didn't know they had a mix pack. My grocery store does. It's like half and half. Wait, what's your pref? I like green. You but, like green. But I prefer okay. to get a, a half and half. The half and half is really nice. Okay, I'm going to look for that next time. I didn't know that existed. Yeah, I love grapes. Grapes <laughs> are one of the most supreme snacks. Yeah. We were also, my friends and I were really recently talking about like the sexiest foods. And one of my friends was like, I think grapes can be sexy. Mm, grapes like, have a juvenile end. Oh, when you're you there know, on the, the thing the, and the dangle. Yeah, the, the dangle. Bunch, I never thought about sexy. that, but like. There's something very juvenile about like picked grapes in a bowl, but I guess like holding up like, ooh. Like the, I just feel like that's because like a, a movie that you saw once. You know what I mean? Oh, it's probably like, some definitely like early like a movie, association. 100%. But yeah, <laughs> I do think of them as like a child's snack. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I don't think of foods as sexy. It's not those two. The Venn diagrams don't like lay over for me. Yeah, I've never, I've never really understood that. But there, I feel like there are some people. Like a martini is sexy or like even like a guy drinking a beer can be sexy or something or like, <laughs> or a soda. It doesn't have to be alcohol. A soda is sexy? Yeah, like I don't know, like a hot guy drinking a Coke. Is that not hot to anyone? We're ending this intro. I feel judged. Okay. <laughs> The- no, I'm just kind of like, um, not not for me. Per- that doesn't do it for me personally, but I'm not judging you. I'm just trying to think. I'm not like, it's not like a kink. I'm not like, oh my God. But like, I feel like it, what it is is like you were drinking Coke before and you're like, I look good. <laughs> no, that's not exactly what happened. Um, <laughs> you're like, that's sort of what happened. I am having a, I'm having a soda era though. Did I talk about this already? Italian sodas. Just like sodas in general. I'm like loving soda. You were, last time you were here, you were drinking an Italian soda and you were saying, that you really liked those, but like, are right. you into that like artisanal of, or like- basically, I'm just trying to, I'm just drinking less in general. I'm kind of like, like obviously like <laughs> vine pair, we love drinking whatever, but like, I'm just trying to drink less. I think it's like, oh, I like good for you. And I was like, oh yeah, if you stop villainizing soda because of diet culture, it's great. Soda's still not bad for you, but like putting it on the same tier of okay as alcohol, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then just like drinking soda is like lovely. Yeah. I'm not drinking it all the time, but like being like, yeah, I'm having a Dr. Pepper, heaven. I love a Dr. Pepper. Yo, I always say this, when I go to heaven, I'm gonna drink so much Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper is good, man. I also just love something, I love something like Dr. Pepper. I'm trying to think of other foods like this, but like, where like, you couldn't describe the taste of it if you wanted to. Yeah, I mean, Dr. (laughs) Pepper is like, it just tastes like Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Do you know what actually also is like that? Ketchup. You actually can't describe the taste of ketchup, I dare you. you. Do you like ketchup? Yeah. Do you like mustard? Yeah, I like all condiments. Literally, I can't think of a single Every condiment. Every single, do you like, like relish? Oh, obsessed with relish. I don't like relish, but I love mustard and I put it on everything. And I think it maybe is like partly like a Southern thing. Like I always dip like my French fries and like even like potato chips and, and mustard. And I was doing that in college and everyone was so judgy about that. I think ketchup is definitely more popular in the Northeast than it is in other places. I like, I mean, ketchup's fine, but everyone's like, what I really can't deal with is someone that wants to dip a French fry in just mayo. Like maybe a mayo and ketchup mixture, fine, but just mayo on its own, I don't get that. Mm, I respect it. You do? Yeah. You like mayo? I do. On its own? I do. Okay. I literally, when I said I liked all condiments, I literally can't think of a condiment I don't like. That's like really lucky. Yeah. That's really lucky. I'm trying hard. Oh, I don't like um, Frank's Red Hot. But oh, like a very like, specific type it's of It's just the hot only sauce? hot sauce that doesn't do it for me. But like, I love like Crystal. I love Cholula. I, I love, love hot sauce. I love hot sauce, but Frank specifically, there's like something off about it to me. I, I don't have know a why. thing where like I can't deal with any sriracha that isn't like the that one brand. Like the other ones, I feel like are like oh, knockoff sriracha. Yeah, like the yeah, like the ones you get like at Trader Joe's or whatever. Like they always taste so sweet, and they don't have the like kick that I'm looking for. Yeah, because real sriracha is no joke. Yeah, I really like that. But like, yeah, I feel I, I feel like. I saw this recently, there was like an actual shortage of that brand of sriracha. And so we, I couldn't find it anywhere. Is that the one where there was that whole controversy because like the people who live in the town where they're making it, like literally their eyes burn because there's so much sriracha in the air. And so they what? have, I think that's like a thing. And then oh my there's God, like a lawsuit. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, their eyes were burning from sriracha? It sounds like true fucking hell, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, okay, before we get too sad into that, let's <coughs> intro today's episode. <laughs> this is a really cool episode. Um, our guest worked in, I just was obsessed with this episode. I think it's so fun. Our guest is so fun. He worked as a concierge in like New York hotels back in the early 2000s. We really go back to like what going out was like in like 
if you liked the Sushin Pak episode, you're going to love this episode. We just talk about a lot of old school, early 2000s New York stuff, and it's so, so fun. Our guest was such a joy. You may know him from his podcast, True Crime Obsessed. He is a delight. This episode is so, so fun. Please enjoy me going out with Patrick Hines. Um, this is a very exciting episode. Long time coming. Oh my God. Um, this episode goes all the way back to when we had Suchin Pak on. I was just re-listening to that episode on the way over here. One of my favorites, such an icon and Suchin Pak brought up iconic early 2000s celebrity hotspot. Moomba. Moomba. Yeah. And then I get a DM from you saying, guess who used to work at, at Moomba. Moomba? Well, let me tell you how like you came into my life. Okay. Because I, we just moved into this building and we have this like very fancy person who lives below us. Okay. And he is like a, he's like a Broadway guy. His name is Steven Aremus. And he's like in the world of the things I care about, he's like very famous. And we were like nervous to live above him, but they've got a daughter that's almost exactly the same age as our daughter. And we became super fast friends. And one day we became text friends because he started texting me your TikToks. Oh my God, no and way. he was like, do you know this guy? I'm like, no, he's like, he reminds me so much of you and he's so funny. So Steven and I would just like find your TikToks and just text them back oh and forth God, to each so other. Funny. And so that was how I became aware of you and I became like obsessed with you. And now I, <laughs> so one night I, I learned that you had a podcast and I have a, I'm a podcast person. Yeah. And I never do this, but I got drunk. I mean, I get drunk all the time, but I, <laughs> I never get drunk and do like stupid shit anymore. And I, it was like two in the morning and I was watching one of your TikToks and I was like, I'm going to ask him if I can be on his podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> and I never, I, my DMT was like, I never do that. I, I never mean, do this. One of the worst parts about having a podcast is having to ask people to do oh, your podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you asking me to do my podcast was a huge gift and a, and a wonderful opportunity. I um, checked my DM. Like the next morning I woke up and I was like, I didn't really do that. Did I? And I checked, I was like, <laughs> Oh my God, I did. And then at one point you favorited it, but didn't respond. And I was like, I must've been like oh, on the subway no. or something. <laughs> I felt like such a loser. And then you wrote back a really nice response. You're like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. That's so funny. If I had just liked and not responded, that would have been so scathing. I would never. I mean, it was good. I took a picture of it and sent it to Steven. I was like, this bitch liked it. Look, he liked it and didn't respond. <laughs> that is so funny. Uh, but yeah, my first job in New York was at Moomba, which when, what is her name? Sushin Park? Yeah. When she was when you did the Moomba episode, you clearly didn't know what it was. And I did you know what it was? I knew like I knew I knew of it, but like it wasn't as much of a touchstone for me as some of the other restaurants she was talking yeah. about. But I remember like hearing about it. I <laughs> I started working there when that restaurant was on its like very last legs. So I moved to New York in 2000 and I was working at CNBC. That was like the job I got right out of college. Okay. Where are you from originally? But, well, I grew up on Cape Cod. I went to college in Boston. And I, I moved here the day after graduation. I was like, I got to get to New York. Okay. And I got here. And, and I got the job at CNBC. That was like what I was coming here to do. And I was working on a financial news show. I was awful. I'll spare you the stories. Like, <laughs> at one point, I did something so egregious. I was like a, an, a, 
assistant to the production team. I was not on camera, but I did something so bad that they had to go to commercial and then come back and apologize. Oh, it was that bad. Did you put like a swear on the teleprompter? No, I ordered a graphic. They they tell you what to order, and the graphic said stock sinks, and I ordered stock stinks, and they like and it made it to air, and then they had to like go to like the host was like that. No, we'll be right back, and they had to come back and apologize. It was crazy. I mean, that's not that offensive. I thought it was going to be way worse. No. <laughs> that story has haunted me. That's no, that I mean, anything like that, boil pressure, and then you just make like a simple mistake is like hell. And I, it was already one of you know, if you're at a job that you know you're not right for, but you like yeah. don't have the guts to leave it, like that was for sure that job. Yeah. But then one weekend, I was like, I'm miserable. I'm a creative person. I'm not getting to be creative. I'm going to go find a restaurant job and then I'm going to like <laughs> get out of here. for creativity. <laughs> totally. And I, I only wanted to work in the West Village. And this was back before the West Village was cool. This was 20 years ago. And yeah, that's crazy to think about. I know. Th nobody went there. Restaurants could not work there. It's so crazy. You go down there today and it's like teeming with straight frat bros. It's like they can't work there anymore because it's too saturated. Exactly. It's like crazy. And this one restaurant had kind of hit it, but I'd never heard. I just walked in off the street. I didn't know anything about this restaurant. And I walked in and I was, I was wanted to be a bar back because I eventually wanted to be a bartender. Yeah, that's a good plan. Yeah. And they said they weren't hiring. And I was like, okay. And I walked out and the manager chased me down the street. And she's like, no, actually we need a bar back like today. Can Someone you start today? In right totally. That's so funny. And I was like, "Yeah, I'll take it." And and that was and working at Moomoo was my first job. It was bananas. It was like every famous person. I mean, still like even though the restaurant was on its last legs, I think I was there like in its last nine months. It was still. I mean, every famous person you could imagine. Lizzie Grubman was still doing the PR for the place. So like we did her birthday party. Whoa. We did the birthday party like the weekend before she backed over Tara Reid and all of her friends in her SUV. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. Wait. So for the listener who's, if you don't know, Lizzie Grubman was like an iconic yeah. New York PR queen. Like she was the number one PR yeah. agent. Is that the term? P PR. Yeah, yeah. Like she did PR. She was like famous. She had her own reality show called yes. PR, Girls. PR Girls. That was on what? MTV? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she was, and she was famously, and Lindsay, if you're listening, or if, don't tell, <laughs> she was famously very mean, right? Yeah, like, I mean, she was very mean. nice to me. I only interacted with her a handful of times, but she was very, very nice. But that, she's little, and I was just always wanted to see her be mean, and I never saw it. But it was, she was kind of a force. Yeah, she was like, yeah. I mean, like, especially like, it's crazy to think about back then because we're talking pre- social media. Yeah, so yeah. like PR was power. Totally. Power, power, because it's press and yep. like press was so much more controlled because like no one could just like like celebrities can't like counter a story on their Instagram. Exactly. They like, but they, so PR is everything. But it, it's interesting because what you guys were talking about on that episode was how it was all, like celebrities were way looser back then and that's true. Yeah, I bet you saw some crazy fucking shit. Really crazy stuff. And But like everyone was really cool. Like my this woman who's still my friend to this day, Sam Ronson, like it was like her oh, yeah. and her friends were the ones who like made that place cool. You yeah. know, like at, at that point it was like Sam did a party there every Monday night. It was a karaoke party and it was kind of the one big celebrity thing that people still came and did and it, everybody I mean everybody came it was like Jerry Seinfeld and Shoshana Lonstein and um, I mean Sam's good friend still is Duncan Sheik and that was back when he was really hot and Jamie King was coming all the time but would they have to do like a bouncer like how was this happening at the door so the door was it, that's a really interesting question there was a security guy at the door his name was Glenn God he was so gorgeous and <laughs> he but it wasn't there was when you walked into Moomba you would like if I'm standing at the door you walk 
in and there's the downstairs over here, but directly in front of the door was the stairway that went up to the VIP lounge. So it was like behind a door. So you would walk in and just kind of go right to that door and then go up two flights of stairs and then you're in the VIP lounge. And who's deciding who gets into VIP? Glenn? Glenn, yeah. I mean, it, there was never any, they never turned anybody away because only famous people tried. It was like, no, people didn't even, it was, Moomba had been around by that point for so long that people just knew only famous people went up there. So like somebody would see, I remember one night um, who, I don't remember who the famous person was, but a group of girls saw this famous person walk in and go up the stairs. It was like Macy Gray or something. And uh, they tried to go and then of course they're not allowed. So it wasn't like, by the time I got there, there wasn't like a line around the corner to get in. It was just kind of like- Was it more of a bar or a restaurant? Uh, a restaurant. It was, okay. a, yeah, it was definitely a restaurant. That This was back in the era of like- Club restaurants, like Tao. Tao and like, but also lounges. Like we don't really have lounges anymore. Wait, it was talk like, me through that. Like what was a lounge? So like a lounge was like, do you remember like APT? No. So APT was this really cool lounge. It was like one of the first spots that sort of like brought the meatpacking district up. Okay. Um, lounges were just kind of like, they were like nightclubs without dancing. Like people didn't dance back then. It was like, Lotus was like the first- like bar restaurant that became a nightclub at night that was happening right after Moomba. So that was like transitioning back into like dancing, but people would go to lounges. There was a place called sweet 16, which, which it's so funny that you're saying this because I go back and I watch, I watch like movies and TV shows that are set in those times. Uh-huh. And I always thought that they how were- old are you? 29. Okay. Cause yeah. I, you're like, I, in, I watched my black and white movies <laughs> no, that were, no, I guess I'm more just saying when I feel like I was thinking, do you know what movie I'm specifically thinking of uh-huh. is the sweetest thing. Do you uh-huh. remember the sweetest thing? Uh-huh. Iconic film. I'm obs- I, it's like one of my like favorite comfort films, but like they go out to these like clubs yeah. and I always, me and my friends would always dog on it being like, it's so funny that this nightclub is just like couches and people sitting yes. around, but apparently that was a story. That really was a thing. Like I would say from like 2001 to like 2003, like lounge, there was a place called Duvet that was bed literally beds um there was apt which is where like where they did all the um snl after parties and it was like you would knock on the it looked like an apartment door and you would like knock on the thing and then like the doorman would either let you in or not you would go down to this like basement lounge wait i'm obsessed it was really fun moomba was a restaurant on the first two floors and then there was another like the the vip staircase over here but there was also a staircase around the other side that would take you up to the lounge and it was just a lounge You, you could get food up there but it was it was just like couches and chairs and it's it sounds so lame now but it was like the height of cool in 2000 2001 i mean any that there's always like a it's so funny like vip sections and vip spaces are an eternal paradox because when you're not in them yep they look like the coolest thing in the fucking world. Uh-huh. And when you're in them, yep. they are boring. It's true. <laughs> they are boring yeah, as yeah, yeah. shit. Well, and pe- celebrities are scared of each other. So, like, I remember we would look at the VIP lounge and, like, the, the famous people of the day were, like, the Sex and the City ladies. Yeah. It was, like, um, uh, Liv Tyler was really famous and she was always hanging out with Casey Affleck and like Summer Phoenix and like and and Joaquin Phoenix and like that kind of crew yeah. they would be at one area and like Sam and her friends which was like Nikki and Paris Hilton would be like at another area and then you'd have like Kim Cattrall and like Lucy Liu sitting at a at a table over here and that you would see them all looking at each other but none of them and there, it wasn't like they were smoking it wasn't like it was like a smoky thing you couldn't see people it was just groups of celebrities not talking to each other. Well, it is probably just, I think it's weird. It's kind of like when you go out in the, 
it's like on, on a much smaller scale. I guess it's like when you go out in any sort of like, cause like celebrity is a small world, right? Yeah. It's kind of like being from a small town or like when you're in, when you're part of like a small community or going to a small college where it's like, you do know who everyone is when you go out. Yeah. So then it is awkward to be like, I'm going to go to this restaurant and I see Katie and she's sitting there and I know her, uh -huh. but I'm not saying hi to her because like, I know everyone, I know who everyone is. So it's like, what decides uh -huh. the line? And I'm always like, err on the side of saying hi. Totally. Totally. Err on the side. Just like, because I don't care if you're Liv Tyler, it's still cool to say hi to Paris Hilton. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's like, that's the story. Well, also, I think it's like cool to also establish like, hey, I'm going to say hi to you and then go sit alone. Like, I'm going to yeah. acknowledge your person. I know who you are and that we're like of in the same world. Yeah. But then like, I'm not going to bother you. Do you know what I mean? And I Obviously, do think if you're someone like you or me, that's like truly not famous. It's like, yeah. I'm leaving you alone. I'm talking to you. <laughs> exactly. But I feel like it's, I guess I'm comparing it to when I go out and see like other comedians. Uh -huh. and it's like, we definitely, at least I know who they are. And uh -huh. I feel like they probably know who I am. Cause like maybe we've even like been on the same show or like, yep. oh, there's also the phenomenon of like, we've never met in real life, but we follow each other on Instagram. <laughs> totally. And it's like, you just got to say hi. Like yeah. you have to acknowledge it. And yeah. I think that that is like, so refreshing. Totally. Totally. And like celebrity culture is so like fascinating to me. Yeah. And a lot of them don't even want to be out, you know, yeah. like that was the other thing. Like they would go out, but they didn't want to, like, you just got the sense they didn't want to be there. I mean, being like psychotically famous yeah. and especially being really famous and young yeah. looks really lonely yeah. to me. It looks like super, super lonely. Like I was at a bar. I was at, I did a show at a bar a few months ago. And then like very shortly after I, we finished the show. We were at the bar having a drink and Dua Lipa came in and she went and sat in the corner and the entire bar, like, and it was a packed bar. The entire bar just went and walked over to just like stare at her yeah. and take pictures of her <laughs> drinking. And she was just sitting there like with one other person, but like they couldn't even really have a conversation. Uh -huh. And I was like, that looks so lonely and boring. It's cr I, I I only, I have two incredibly famous friends. That's it. Everybody else I know is a total normie. And uh, th it's Chrissy Teigen and John Legend. And they. <laughs> <laughs> Chill vibes. Chill vibes. I know. Well, but like it, it, Chrissy just is like a fan of our podcast. And so she became like our friend in real life. And then we, like we got to know her and John. And we did our, a show in L.A. a couple weeks ago. And we whenever we tour, we don't know anybody anywhere. So it's usually yeah. just me and Jillian in the green room, like for the hour before the show. But in L.A., we knew a lot of people. So we had like 30 people in the green room before the show. Oh, we had fun. Yeah. And then Chrissy and John walked in. And nobody else knew they were coming. And it was like all of the air gets sucked out of the room yeah. for like 10 seconds. And you're kind of like, oh no, like they're going to hate this, you right. know? And then they start talking and then it's fine, yeah. but they can't do anything. Like we went, we all went for drinks after. And I was like, are you guys going to come? And they're like, no, we can't. No. Yeah, and we, we're can't. Like, we literally can't go yeah. to drinks after. And I was like, oh, that sucks. I know. I that, know. Like, truly and you could tell they sucked. wanted to. Like they were having a good time. They like met everybody, but like they were just normal people. I know. And so it yeah, I think that that kind of fame would be very I do wonder if there's like a I guess it gets kind of dangerous cuz it's like there's like I feel like in the past few years it's gotten really popular or not even like popular is like not the right word. It's become standard like at like the comedy cellar or like when you go see like the big tours, like if you see like Mulaney or someone on tour, yeah. they do the phone bag thing, right? Where like What's you, that? So like if you go to the comedy cellar now, uh -huh. you have to check your phone and they put it oh. in like a sealed bag. Oh so yeah, that, yeah, like, yeah. Comics can work on stuff and they don't videotape it. Yep. And I'm like, I feel like that would do, I feel like if a bar or restaurant implemented that, it would potentially do well. But then you also like, fuck, like you can't really have people getting like fucked up and like taking away their phone. Like it gets, yeah, it gets like yeah. dicey. Uh -huh. But just like a world, like I think I just, like the, 
like so much of like what you're talking about and what we were talking about with Suchin was like, like the idea of like the, the party and the celebration and what you're doing being for what you're doing in the moment and for not for like the yeah. content being exported out. Yeah. And I feel like that's, there's almost like no way to bring that back unless everyone decides like we're doing. That. Yeah. I, I for, like, I love going to LA. I only get to go like four times a year and I, that's more than a lot of people. <laughs> I, know, I know I go for work a lot, but it's yeah. like, you know, when like, like, I remember somebody saying to me, like, famous people don't go out anymore and being really sad about that. Cause, like, there's something really. Especially if that was, like, used to be part of your life, was like, totally. And that's what it's like. And and especially, like, work, like, as a worker in the restaurant industry and seeing people, like, famous people that it made, like, your shitty night fun. You like, your dumb night at work was like, oh, it was better because, like, Leonardo DiCaprio was here and he was cool, you know? Yeah. And, like, it's just, it's, it's sad to be like, oh, no, like, you're out in LA and there's no chance you're going to see Julia Roberts at the next table, you know? It says, like, it is. It's just like a bummer. Like yeah. that is a bummer. Yeah. And I wonder, I'm, that's interesting to say that because like, I feel like I worked at a very popular among the celebrities restaurant when I first moved to New York as well. What was it? Um, we'll bleep it, but it was. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, um, it was very, very popular among celebrities when I, when yeah. I was working there. I remember I heard you talking about it in an episode. I was like, what, what, what? I was trying to figure out what restaurant it was. <laughs> now you get to know. That's yeah. it. <laughs> um, but, um, and you're right. Like, well, one, I always say, like, I feel like celebrities were always super nice because they, they're the only people that, like, I already know what your name is if you're a dick to me. Like, I can say, like, Patrick Hines was a dick to me. You know what I mean? Where I can't say, like, uh-huh. this guy was a dick. Yeah. Or, like, whatever. But there also was, like, a fun energy to it of being, like, ooh, like, you're bringing the food to this table. Like, and especially totally. because, like, those jobs are so stressful and can be really boring, especially when you're on, like, like, especially when you're the, um, like when you're the bar back or when yep. you're the food runner yep. or you're the busser, like you don't get like, cause like what I always found really fun and like enjoyable and exciting about working in restaurants was like, you know, like bonding with the table, talking, uh-huh. like kind of like, you know, getting, reading their vibe and being like, Oh, like they want this, like, and like sort of like the connection. Yeah. And that's really not your job when you're like the busser, the food runner, uh-huh. the bar back. Like uh-huh. you're, you're supposed to kind of make everything else as smoothly as possible to set the server or the bartender up to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I had those positions, I was like bored. So like truly, I like I was busy as fuck, but I was like not mentally stimulated because yep. it's like you're not talking to anyone, you're not having interesting conversations. Which so is why is you fun. work in that industry. Yes. And so then it's like it is like um it was fun to be like, oh, but at least I'm bringing this fish to Seth Meyers or whatever. Uh-huh. Like that does add like a little pepper of fun to and it. And people were dicks too. Like I can tell you, like uh Hayden Panettiere was an asshole. Oh. Uh and this was like when I was uh when I was a hotel concierge. She was awful. Um, you want to know who made me cry? Yes. You're probably not even going to know who this is. Cloris Leachman. Of course I know who Cloris Leachman is. Cloris Leachman made me cry. How did she make you cry? She was old as God. And she <laughs> was like dissatisfied. I used to work at the W Hotel in Midtown. And like the W Hotel is a great brand. I worked at the original W Hotel and it felt like it. It was a crappy hotel. The rooms were tiny. The air conditioning never worked. It was a cool vibe, but like it was. It needed a renovation. It needed a renovation. It needed like everything, and and it, it, like this, like it was just really bad. And Cloris Leachman was not happy about it. So she like, w- I just remember she wanted to get into um, what was the, uh, the Waverly Inn. Oh, and we had kind of an in there, and but like the guy couldn't get her in, and I was like, it's Cloris Leachman, Academy Award winner, and the guy's like, I'm sorry, but like we can't get Natalie Portman in tonight. Like we can't get Cloris Leachman in tonight, and I had to tell her, and she slit her 
ancient crone hand slammed down on the table and she goes, you do not understand the kind of service I expect. And I don't know why that made me cry, but it did. It made me cry. Well, if you were already on the edge. I was already on the edge. It was like a really hard job. I actually loved that job. Being a hotel concierge was really fun. Wait, I've never talked to someone who did this job before. What did you love about it? Uh, well, I knew New York really well because I, you know, I've now lived here for 20 years, but when I was a concierge, I lived here for like 12 years. And I was one of those people like you that liked to know the out of the way spots, the sort of like downtown cool spots, the the things that people don't really know about, 100%, you know, yeah. and I would go out a lot. I wasn't like a partier, but I liked to like go out. Yeah. And um, so I knew stuff and yeah. it, it was really fun to share that information, cool. you know, and like, and really like tell people the different cool places to go and do things. And I wonder, is that a job that's also kind of faded out with the internet? I was thinking, you were talking about this on another episode and like the, the soul crushing, I was there for the death of the job. That's devastating. The death of the job. Cause that must've been so cool to be like, I'm like kind of your like secret agent getting yep. you in at all the places. And that's like the internet like takes that away. Entirely. I'll say that like at the high end hotels, they still, at the very high end, like the, um, like the Ritz Carltons of the world will always have a concierge, mostly because rich people just don't want to do things for themselves, totally. not because they couldn't. But, um, the, you know, at the W, it was all about like, can you get us bottle service at One Oak? Can you get us a table at whatever? And, uh, and, and like booking tours and stuff. And people just do all that on their own now. So when you were, when you were working as a concierge, was part of your job like, going to One Oak and schmoozing so that when you called and was like, it's Patrick from yeah. the W. We'd get invited all the time. So it like, if I ever wanted to go, I, by that point I had like a new kid, I was married and I, I kind of like, didn't want to do like the club thing, but I would go and you would get bottle service. It was all like, they give it to you all for free. Um, we would see like every Broadway show. We'd go to every restaurant. It really was like that. It was all free everywhere you went. Um, and then that, that just started to fade over time. And I did the job for five years and I left before the pandemic. Um, but it was, I left, I guess, well before the pandemic, but you know, I remember like my friend, they just started closing concierge desks at hotels all over That's the place. So sad. Yeah. 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 And there are people who like. I mean, I enjoyed the job, but there are people who are like career concierge. Yeah, that's like really devastating to think about. Yeah. Because like, I worked in a hotel for like two seconds. Yeah. Like, it was like six months, but it was like quick. Yeah. And I did not realize, like I just, I don't like, I guess I had never thought about working in hotels because I was just like a restaurant person. And then yeah. like someone called me and was like, we need a bartender at this hotel. And I was like, I got there and then like start, I was like, Oh, hotels are like a fucking world. It's like, true. Like there's like I remember like this one girl. She was like I we one time we were talking and I was like where did you go to college and she was like I went to hotel school. Yeah. In oh, Switzerland. oh. And people there's Ivy League schools like Penn, Penn is Penn State the Ivy League UPenn. one. UPenn have like amazing hospitality programs. Right. And it's about like and then there's like hotel specifications yeah. and I was like and like just hearing about like the world of hotels and I think because like I didn't grow up with money like we weren't going to like like if I stayed at a hotel it was like a best fucking western. Totally like, same. I didn't know about this world of like having status with certain hotels and the concierges and the like connections and having like certain rooms and the way that like that industry had to be especially before there was like fucking algorithms and before there was like, uh -huh. it's like that was like you the hotel wasn't just like where you slept it was like your Brand. key to the city but it was also like you as the guest it was like your key to the city like they were getting you the restaurant 100%. they were telling you where to yeah. go they were getting your tickets like they were taking care of and you. we did all that people would come in for the weekend we'd get them Broadway show tickets we'd hook them up with all their tours helicopter tours boat tours private transfers like we and it was fun I feel like that might be coming back though only because like, I hope I feel like what I've been smelling in the water I think a lot of people are saying this right now is people are like wait Airbnb sucks like yeah. I want to be in a fucking hotel oh. and I've like always low-key been that way like I've been broke most of my life so I've been like fine we'll do the Airbnb 
but like if I could, I'd be in a yeah. hotel all the time. And now like with the fucking, the fees and the cleaning and stuff, it's like, it actually makes more sense to stay in a hotel like I, nine times out of 10. And, but I feel like hotels are realizing like, oh, people are realizing that it's more than just where you sleep. Yeah. And like that, those things are being valued more. Like, I don't know. I want like the idea of being able to call a concierge and be like, where should we go tonight? And like the idea of like, like I'm realizing like, I'm like, do I want to be a hotel concierge? <laughs> it's a really fun really job. Fun. It is fun. But it's like, I don't like calling and knowing that that person on the other line is like actually like a cool person yeah. who lives in the city and does this shit being yeah. like, yeah, like, do you want to go to joy face? Do you want to do this? Like, like saying places to like, that's fucking cool. And I'll tell you, we, we, like our concierge team was kind of a unicorn because we had the guy that was really like knew all the clubs and knew all the promoters. I was the Broadway guy. I was the downtown guy. So I could like, I knew all the shows, but I could also tell you like a cool way to spend the day, like on the lower East side. Yeah. Just like I could plan your whole day for you, you know, or like the West village. I could give you like a walking tour of exactly like you start here and then you end up at the river and all the things you see in between, you know? Yeah. And then we had like other girls who were like into like, Shopping and you like all Park the stores, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. And we, it was, it was fun to work on a team like that because you're kind of like, I don't really know, but Marco's going to be here at four. I'll get the info from him. Let me get your email. I'll say, like, that sounds like that doesn't sound like a unicorn. That sounds like a well designed concierge. Totally, like, that sounds like someone did a really good job. And I, you know, I don't. I guess I understand like the company Starwood, which doesn't exist anymore. Marriott bought it, but I, I guess you know, you say like, it's we were paid well, yeah. and you know, if you can cut five people and you're say, you know, we just weren't busy anymore. Like yeah. there, there was when I first started there, it was around. Christmas Christmas time. And I remember we had line, we, there was two concierge per shift and we just would have a line all the way through the lobby for most of the shift. You're like sneaking sips of water. You're like catching your breath. And it's it like, it's exhausting, but fun. And by the last year, by the last six months I was there, you there was, we were down to one concierge per shift and you're just sitting there with nothing to do. And the yeah, hotel is so full, sad. you know? Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. That's like, so interesting. I had not thought about that. Oh God. That's so, so, You've lived in New York for, at this point, 20 years, 22 years. 22 years. That's amazing. Yeah. Where, like, what what did, like, going out look for you back then yeah. in the Moomba days? And then what <laughs> does it look like now? Well, it's very different now. Going out back then was great because it, was, it would always be, like, after work, right? Yeah. So, like, <clears throat> I worked at a cool place so I could get into cool places. Yeah. Uh, and, but I, I also wasn't like super interested in that. I was really interested like in the gay bars and clubs at the time. Like I was hanging out in Hell's Kitchen when there were three bars. You would go to Posh, Therapy and, um, Posh, Therapy and Barrage. There were three bars. Okay. Nobody lived there. There were no restaurants over there. It was just kind of like, it, like the West Village was the gay spot. Then Chelsea was the gay spot. Then it was Hell's Kitchen. But this was like before Hell's Please Kitchen happened. Please don't tell happened. me the Upper West Side is not. <laughs> you know what's so funny about that is that the Upper West Side was the gay spot before the village. So like in like the late 60s. like that, No shit. Yeah, the Upper West Side actually used to have like 15 gay bars. It's crazy. And then like the village was where you lived and then you would party on the Upper West Side. It, it it was bananas. Whoa. Yeah. I'm like a weird gay history nerd. So like, I know no, these things. I find that fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And there, yeah, there was a couple that were still around when I was going out, like in the, you know, early two thousands. Yeah. I'm like, I feel like the only gay bar I know of above like 50, 50th street is like sweet on like, which is on 109th street. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, up there. It's And and that, that, and then there are now up in Washington Heights, they have gay bars too, but well, that they was, didn't, but I lived yeah. there. I lived there from 20, 14 to 2017 
no gay bars up there. Then. Yeah, no not, gay bars up there. Yeah, gay. yeah. It's a That's little like, different now. I remember like I remember like in 2019, 2018, 2019, someone being like, oh yeah, there's a boxers on 157th. And I was like, oh, am right. I having a stroke? <laughs> what are you talking about? Is it even safe to go to a gay bar up there? Like, is there there's a boxers up there? I know, there? I know. But yeah, so I mean, you know, back in the day, it was cool because I, I would work at Moomba and then like the doorman who worked at Moomba worked at this APT place where they would always do the, this SNL after party. So we would like work and then we would go to the after parties and that was really fun. Um, and like cafeteria was really cool back then. So like you'd go out and do you, like cafeteria is still around. Yeah, you ever go? I don't, I go to, I'm very familiar with it because the UCB bar was McManus, uh-huh. which is across the street from it. Of that. course. Yeah. So I always saw cafeteria, but I've never, in te- I've never partaken. That's in so funny. Yeah. Cafeteria when I was like. But once again, a restaurant, but kind of apps like a lounge. It's kind of? really more of a restaurant because it like you would go there because it was open 24 hours and you would go there like at four in the morning oh, and everything closed. Yeah. yeah. That I, was, um, what's the other, what's the name of Capella. Oh yes, yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. The, um, the Cuban spot, Cuban place, right? Fourteen. So yeah, I mean, it was, and sometimes I'd get to like go out with like famous people, which was really fun. Like, yeah. I, when Moomba closed, Sam Ronson took her party to Sweet Sixteen, which was like this new place, and she brought me over to work the party. And I remember I got like kind of close with Tara Reid, and <laughs> it was so. Cr- Tara Reid was very cool, and she used to come into Sweet Sixteen with a bunch of men she seemed like she did not want to be hanging out with. Like that was what would always happen. And one of them was Mark McGrath. She would come in with him all the time. Yeah. He was also really nice, but yeah. like she never, and the, the thing was like, they would always order shots, but I would have to give her like lime juice to make it look like she was. And then I remember one night, like <laughs> she was there until closing and I went down to close out and she, one of the bouncer came down. The bouncer, by the way, was the guy, I'm going to forget his name now, but he played the guy with the really big dick on sex in the city. Do you know who I'm talking about? He, I can't think of his name now, but the one that like Samantha can't fuck it so big. Yes, exactly. Exactly. He like dated Madonna, but he was like the doorman at sweet 16. Uh, but he came down he's like, uh, Patrick, Tara Reed is waiting for you at the bar. Iconic. And I went up and she's like, I want to go to breakfast. I was like, great, let's go to cafeteria. And Tara Reed and I went to breakfast. Yes. Oh, it was crazy. It was so fun. But you were living, like I was, when you were doing this, I was in Vermont being like, like thinking about that being like, that would be the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, and it feels weird now. Cause it was just, if to me, it felt like I was just going out after work. And I remember like, <laughs> I remember like putting her in a cab at the end of the night and I paid for her. I gave the cab driver like 50 bucks or whatever. And I was like, I cannot be the last person to see her alive. Like get yeah. her to where she's going. Please. Yeah. That's so, it's just like, well, cause it is funny. Cause like when you meet celebrities, the second you meet them and start hanging out with them, they just become a person. It's you know, true. Like, and like the celebrity goes away, but then it's like, it's funny then like talk about it in the past and be like, and it yeah. was terror. And like, I know everyone has their own opinion of that. And, and people like, don't remember like how famous she was. Like she was so, so famous. Yeah. Cause that's another thing. Like, like, like I think it's the theme of this episode is like talking about how like just different things were back then. Like because like celebrities weren't as accessible, totally. they were more famous. Yeah, in this weird yes. way, you yes. knew less about them. There was a mystique about them, yep. and there was like it was like if you wanted to know what was going, you had to watch extra, you mm-hmm. had to watch Access Hollywood, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you had to like or you had to watch E News, yeah, and or read the magazines. Yeah, and those were so. And then like the Lizzie, what's her name, Lizzie Grubman. I almost said Lizzie Grant, which is Lana Del Rey's real name. <laughs> Lizzie Grubman, like the Lizzie Grubmans and the, isn't that what Kelly Catrone does? Was she PR? That name sounds really familiar, but I don't know. Kelly Catrone's PR too, right? Fashion PR. Fa- oh, yeah, she's fashion <laughs> PR. But it's like, they, it was like, it was filtered through them to come out. My point is, so it's like, like, t- like the, um, anyone who was in American Pie yes. was so yes. fucking yes. famous. So That's true. fucking famous. And it's like, well, I'm trying to think what the version of the, that is right now. Like who's, like, like Katie, Katie, you're younger than me. What's like... <laughs> 
What would you say is like the thing right now that if people are on it, they're like so famous? Euphoria. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Actually, and that, they, but still, yeah. Euphoria is a good answer, but Euphoria is more prestige. It's like hard to explain. It's I guess it's also just that there's so much more more content out now that it's well, like right. that's like people the way that like I just remember like when the American Pie movies came out, I was not old enough to be allowed to watch them, and I oh was my like, God. and I was literally like, well, I'm being left behind by the entire culture. <laughs> like I was like, every other person in the world has seen this movie. I remember when I stopped like knowing who everybody was at the Grammys. Like that th- that to me was like a turning point. Yeah, that happened to me probably. It wasn't the Grammys for me. It was like the first. It was like a. Few, it was probably like five or six years ago. I went to look at the top fifty songs on Spotify. Oh yeah, and was like I don't know a single person. Like there's like nine movies a year that are nominated for an Academy Award. I've never heard of any of them. Well, that's also that's funny that you say that because I feel like with that, that's like a different thing where it's like because like because you kind of have to like seek out the Oscar movies now. Like, oh, is that right? Weird way. I feel. I feel like you do. Like, yeah. I feel like it's like the Marvel movies will come out and uh-huh. then you'll get like your Star is Borns, your Top Guns. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to think like what the big movies are. Like, well, it's like the Gun. Year of the Dog or whatever, like the, the Jane um, Campion one. The Power of the Dog. Power of but the that's Dog. That's my point. Like those movies you kind of have to seek out. Like you have to go see like IFC to see that or like Angelica and they're like, and I guess there's always been, there's always been like, movies at the Oscars that it's like who saw those like Uh especially growing up in Vermont like a lot of those movies like just did not come to like like I don't think like I remember like Brokeback Mountain did not play in like my hometown for like the first like four months it was out oh wow because like and not I don't think for a political reason just because it like was an indie like you know what I mean like and it's like like I think that like now especially because they do the 10 nominees like there's more movies like a lot of these movies come in that it's like unless you have to you have to seek them out a little bit yeah yeah I just like don't know so like kind of to answer your question like what my life like going out now is like oh god it's really hard to find a babysitter you know what I mean how many kids do you have just one oh my god blast we have an 8 year old and she's perfect but like she's also a terror and a nightmare and it's you know it's uh, my work is schedule is so crazy like my my day starts literally at 4am and so you know a lot of days I work work until like seven or eight at night. So why does your work day start at 4am? I mean, I just run a podcast network. So it's like, there's just a lot to do, you know? And, but I also like, I I also love getting up early. Like I'm just an early morning morning person. person. Um, and I, I want years ago, I was like, I'm going to see if I can like wake up at four and start working. And I did. And I kind of never looked back. Whoa. I know. I know. What time did you go to bed? Um, if I'm really legit going to wake up at four, I'll try to be in bed before nine. It used to be like hard eight o'clock when Daisy was a little younger and her bedtime would be eight o'clock. I would go to bed at eight o'clock too. But then I was like, I should spend some time with my husband, I guess. I guess. You know what I mean? Um, and so, it, you know, so going out now is like a rarity, but it's like, we'll go to the theater and we'll go to dinner or yeah. we did like, we got a bunch of our friends we hadn't seen together in a long time and we did like a pub crawl of uh, Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. What, um, I'm curious, I haven't talked to anyone about this. So you have an eight year old. Yeah. What? Is it like figuring out, especially as someone who worked in a restaurant, taking a child out to restaurants? You know, in a way, we are able to cop out in a way that people didn't used to be able to because you can just give them your phone, you know? You can, like, give them a screen and they literally shut up. And, you know, my husband is really big on not letting, like, we'll let her take the phone when we're ordering and then, like, she has to participate in the meal when we're eating. We just went out to dinner last night and it was pretty good. I mean, she's at that age. We were just went down to visit her grandparents and we were on, like, a like a little fairy tour thing and somebody had left a book about John Wilkes Booth on the table (laughs) and she's like daddy who's John Wilkes Booth so we like explained to her who John Wilkes Booth was 
And we we were using words eight-year-olds can understand as, you know, why he did what he did and whatever. And like last night at dinner, we took the phone away and Daisy goes, Daddy, why did that man want slavery? <laughs> She's eight. And yeah. so we were like, so we, you know, like it's kind of like that. You just have to really engage them now, you know? That's so funny. But it's I mean, hard though. Like when I worked in restaurants for so long and I was like, you know, it, when Daisy was a baby and we would go out and she would make a mess, I was the dad under the table cleaning up the all the stuff on the floor, yeah. under the chair. I was never going to be the dad that, like, left the carnage. It's actually, I don't think, if you aren't, like, you think you can imagine what people leave behind from their kids in restaurants. And yeah. I'm telling you, it's a hundred times worse. Unless it's actually seen it, unbelievable yeah. what people will leave behind. And, and it's like, how did that child make that much of a mess in 40 minutes? And I'm also like, what food did get in their mouth? Like, what got in their mouth? <laughs> yeah. I know. And it's also I know. like it's also like food we don't serve. I'm like, why is there right. lo mein under the table in this Chinese in this Italian restaurant? Where did the like, fruity pebbles come from? Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. So God bless you for that. And it's also like I think I'm curious. I like, do you have? I feel like New York parents will bring their child to any restaurant. 100. percent I'm like, you gotta pick and choose. Well, last night we were go we, uh, we wa Steve wanted to go to Quality Meats last night. Great choice. Great choice. But like Daisy was coming from camp and she like didn't she was wearing like a leotard and shorts and he's like, is she okay? I'm like, no, she's not okay. We can't go to Quality <laughs> Meats with her. Like, she needs a dress, you yeah. know, or she needs she needs like a, she just can't go in a leotard. Yeah, you know, and also like. She has to probably, like, because the dress, it's funny that you say that because it's also, like, the dress is probably, like, a signal to her also of, yes. like, what's sort of happening there. Like, if she's in a That's leotard so and then yeah. she's, like, and then she goes to a cartwheel and you can't do a cartwheel, she's, like, well, then why the fuck am I in a leotard, leotard dad? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Whereas, like, 100%. the dress is a kind of a cue, like, oh, like, maybe this is a place to, like, chill out. Yes. And I, I don't mean to say that, like, she's a girl, she needs to wear a dress. I just mean, like, she needs to wear something that is a leotard. If she wants a three-piece suit, let's wear a three-piece suit. <laughs> but I know, but you're, I, I Daisy, think, your tuxedo. You gotta get your tuxedo on. <laughs> yeah. But Daisy, tighten your cummerbund. Totally. But it's like, but I think that it does serve like a, it's a two way street. You're not just dressing up for the thing; it's also to inform like how you kind of feel. In Which place. I didn't realize until you explained it to me, yeah. and that is exactly right. <laughs> but I think that's also not just true of children. Yeah, like it's like I remember because like okay, the the restaurant that we've bleeped earlier that I worked at. Yeah. An interesting. Have, did you ever go there? Uh, I must have. I don't have a memory of it, but I must have. So it's like a really interesting restaurant because it was like. It was attached to a hotel that was also very fancy. Yeah. But it was like, it was like. Oh, it, right. Of course. Yes. Yes, I did go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like a beautiful, beautiful room. But because it's connected to a hotel, it's like, in my mind, it was the kind of place, like, you don't need to be in like a suit and a gown, but like, I would dress nice to go there. Like, For I would sure. want to look nice. And like, celebrities would come in. Like, I remember one time I was, I was, the first time I ever went there as a guest, I tripped walking in and really nearly almost tackled the woman in front of me like tripped in a bad way that is something I, I would 100% do I tripped on the door jam and like tried to cat and like really almost tackled and the the hostess had this look of like true horror on my face <laughs> on her face and I was like yeah I almost tackled that woman I'm sorry and then I like recovered and I like because I was I was like I don't need to talk to the host like I know where I'm going and I walked around and looked back and I was like oh it was Uma Thurman oh. in like a gown <laughs> like a gown like she looked incredible and I was like I almost took Uma down Can like you I almost imagine? killed Bill and like <laughs> like it was like really bad but like I guess, but so this restaurant would be like, people would look amazing, but then because it's a hotel, these like also rich like San Francisco tech bros like would come down in like slide flip flops, Adidas shorts and like oh, a t-shirt. And I was like, I was like, this sucks for everyone. I know. Like, we it say this sucks on for you and it sucks for me because like I, you're killing the vibe. Yeah. And also like 
do you not feel like part of the fun in being in these spaces is like the dress up? Yeah. And like 100%. you said, it's like, I'm not going to say like, I'm not going to say like, it has to be like a certain price point of clothing. Yeah. I'm not going to say that it has to be gendered in any sort of specific way because, and there's like a, there is like, it's, it's almost sort of like the porn argument of like, I don't know what it is, but I know it when I see it, it's uh-huh. like, I need to see your version of looking nice. Yeah. And that can be, like, honestly, that could be denim done right. Like, I don't give a fucking shit. Like, I'm not going to make, like, hardline rules, but, like, yeah. look nice. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. How do you, do you think that you look nice right now? Because I, no, that is not a shady question, because <laughs> yeah. I think you look really nice right now. Okay, thank you. For I, s- you strike me as the kind of person who knows exactly the kind of clothing, like, that that is your fit, so your vibe, your thing. you've fallen for my trap, which is. <laughs> <laughs> I will find an outfit I like. Yeah. And then wear, and that I'm like, like, I'm not good at dressing myself generally. Yeah. I, these are my boyfriend's pants. I uh-huh. tried them on last week. Turns out they look amazing. On they me. do look really good so on you. So they're my pants now. He doesn't know. <laughs> but it's like, I wear, like, I figured out that I like this outfit. This is the third time I've worn it in a week and a half. I, good so for it's you. Like, it's not like I know everything. Like, I don't have, but I, to answer your question, I, I do think I look nice right now. I wouldn't, I would think about, depending on the restaurant, the fact that I'm not wearing sleeves would make me question. For sure. I don't think I can go anywhere right now. Yeah. But in a summer day in New York, I can go anywhere for lunch right now. Let's say that. <laughs> You're perfect. I can go anywhere for lunch right now. I just wanted to know you're living up to the like what I hoped you would be. You're nailing it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad I don't. I could go anywhere for lunch. That is like such a perfect New York distinction. I, I could go to anywhere for lunch. Yeah. I would want to put, and I could go a lot of places. I could go probably anywhere in Brooklyn for dinner. Uh, totally. <laughs> and to be honest, the places where I couldn't go in a tank top are not really my scene. Uh-huh. Totally. It's not my vibe. Yeah. Um, because pulling off an outfit is as much about the attitude as it is about the clothes. It's, a, it's a much about feeling like you look good as like, it's looking good. Yeah. Like Tom Ford once said, I remember seeing a Tom Ford quote that was like, I hate when people wear shorts in the city. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that like pissed me off. I wanted I was, to wear pants for you. I brought pants no, to, to the office to no, change and I couldn't do it. Because I was like, I'm like, Tom, it gets hot. Yes. Like, and similarly, I don't think that those like hard and fast rules especially with, like, fashion or, like, aesthetics out, like, work. Like, because, like... He's also the first fucking asshole to go home and put on pants, like, on shorts on a hot day. Nobody who says something like that actually means it. Yes. You know? That's, like, the sort of thing. I'm like, like, I don't think... I don't like, like, any... I get... I will reset... Like, there's, like, the restaurants where they, like, require that men wear jackets or whatever. Sure. And, like, I get that. There's only, like, two, and I'm glad they exist. Because, like, something like that should exist for those of us who want to experience that once a year. And for me, that's also, it's like a time capsule. Like, it's like you're going to experience that thing. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I can't even remember the name. I like, there's one on like Bleecker that's like white that has like a sign in the window that says like, all men, please wear jackets. And I just oh. think, of, and I'm like, those, like, there's like a handful of them in New York. I, like, Laberna Den is like that. Exactly. Like, and they, but they will also provide the jacket if you don't have one. 100%. And I think that that is like, fun because like that used to be what a lot of these like old like you know smoky sexy restaurants used to be and it's like yeah like if we're trying to create that vibe we're trying to create that vibe and everyone's consenting to that by entering. They're totally. signing up for it. And, and that's really fun. You don't have to have a jacket. You can put one on when you get here. You know yeah, what I mean? 100%. But you do have to wear one. Yeah. You know? Um I think that like dress codes are yeah, it's like I, I think like having a staunch a staunch dress code is really dicey. You're signing yeah. yourself up for some trouble. Yeah. But I do want you to look nice. Yes. Hundred percent. And it's the kind of thing where it sucks because it's like it to enforce it is inherently bad. Like if you put a bounce at the door and you're like, make sure everyone looks nice so that you don't let them in, it's like it, 
immediately you're gonna get canceled. And like, yeah. also like if it's one person's decision, it's like gonna be bad. Well, so it's like, I just want people to like, listen. I'm like, just yeah. show up. Don't wear like fucking Adidas. Adidas <laughs> shorts never look nice. Let me tell you that right <laughs> now. An Adidas basketball yeah. short. Yeah. I'm not, I don't want to see that at dinner. Uh-huh. At a dine, like out at a basic restaurant, I don't give a fuck what you wear, but like yeah. in like, if I'm at like Keen Steakhouse, yes. like, let's put like, let's leave the Adidas at home. You love that place. I've, I've, so I've never actually been. No way. I keep on referencing it because it's like my top number one I want to go to. Yeah, you reference it sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went, I only went one time for dinner. You know that it has like such a storied history. Yeah, and it's like women owned, women operated. Yeah. It's very cool. But it used to be back in the day, like in the 30s when it when the theater district was in that area, women weren't allowed. And oh, there was like Sarah Bernhardt, I want to say, was like the first woman they ever like let in or something. That's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. But it's 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 very it's as good as they say. Like in in the way that Peter Luger like isn't as good as they say. Yeah. Keens like is as good as that's they like say. like the narrative. And so I do. I am like dying to go. But I just Keens is like my back pocket. Like when I'm talking about like that kind of like old school classic yeah. storied New totally. York restaurant. That's like it's just like an obvious reference. Yeah. Um. But like Laberna Den's like a great example of that too. You know. I've what never. Eaten at Liberta Den. Have you been? No. No, because like I just, like I don't do, I'm at a place in my life where like we have a budget to like irresponsibly go out a lot in a week. Uh Uh-huh. We don't have the, and I would prefer that than going out once somewhere really fancy. Do you know what I mean? million percent. And I don't have the budget to irresponsibly go out to those places often. Uh uh Like we're not there yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the, when, you know, we'll see what happens and then one day maybe we'll go to Libertadown yeah. and Keens in one week but I would rather like go to like my spots in the neighborhood or whatever. Do you go out every night? No. I go out a lot. I don't go out every night. I like, because I also do love cooking. Like I genuinely oh, very really? much, yes, I very much enjoy cooking. I really, really love to cook and like, like, like if I'm like bored uh-huh. or feeling anxious, it's actually more like if I'm feeling anxious or something and need to like get something out, I'll cook a full meal that I'll put in the fridge. Really? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, what I'll kind like of food do you make? Like whatever. Like, I don't know. I love like, I'll make like a pasta sauce and like throw it and like, I'll be like, Nate, take it to work. Like I just made this dish because I feel like I needed to cook. Wow. I mean, sometimes I'll eat it. If it lines up with like a meal time, I'll eat it. But other times <laughs> I just want to like cook. But it's like, wow. No, but I do, I would say I go out, the thing about, go, I love seeing people. Like yeah. I love being social. And so I will do that. Like probably I would say the average is like four or five times a week. Oh God, that's amazing. Bye. And sometimes, and like, I also love to host. So I love yeah. like having people over. It's just like a mix. And That's then, like what like, we do now. We, we finally have an apartment that we love yeah. and we have people over a lot. Like that's just, it's hard having an eight year old. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. But she'll, she'll not be eight forever. And then you'll get to go. We out. think about that all the time. We're like, she's not that far away from being able to like stay home by herself for a couple hours while we go. Like 100%. we're talking three, four years, five. I don't know. <laughs> Can you leave a 14 year old home alone for an hour? Uh, yeah. I don't know what age I started getting left home alone. I remember when I was 10, I was allowed to sit in the front seat of the car. That was Wow. Bad. That was a big t- twist. That's a big move. It was huge. Wait, but what, wait, what was I just gonna say? Oh, that's the other thing is like, because right now so much of, because I don't have, I do have a, co- I did recently get a co-working space, but I don't go there every day. Yeah. And a lot of my work day will be at home. Uh-huh. So at the end of the day, I want to leave. Yeah. And when yes. my boyfriend was also work from home, I, it it was like, get us out of here. Uh-huh. Like, we've been in this house all fucking day. Yeah. And so I think that's another part. Like, I love my apartment. I love, love, love my apartment. But, like, I'm in it a lot during the day. Yeah. And she's dark. Like, uh-huh. we don't have windows. We're a garden apartment of a brownstone. Oh, wow. So it's gorgeous. It's in an old building. Yeah. I love it. It's yeah. it's spacious. Like, it's wonderful. It's one downside. 
dark. Yeah. And so I'm like, let me get out into the sunlight. Let me get out into the city lights. Like, I just need to be like out for a second. You're an extrovert. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Me too. And like, I, you know, I used to, during the pandemic, I used to tweet all the time, like check on your extroverts. Like your yeah. extroverts are suffering. Yeah. It's so true. And like, I, I think that's a part of it is like, I need to, I'm, I'm, I will say the pandemic made me realize I was less extroverted than I thought. Oh, really? Yes. I realized I was more, if you can imagine, I was like more extroverted than so I thought. so funny because what I didn't realize was how much of my life had alone time built into it. Oh. I was like, I had my commutes. I had my time off. Like I had my mornings because I worked at nights and my boyfriend worked during the day. So I had yep. apartment during, to myself during the day. I could do, go to, go on a walk. I could go to a, like, I could go like shopping by myself. And then it was suddenly like he was home all the time and like I was home all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and like also just like, uh -huh. and I didn't have a commute and I, I didn't have anything that was like a thing I did alone. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I actually need a lot of alone time. Oh, Not like interesting. A lot, but I definitely need, I need like a good amount. Yeah. But so now it's like, I like what my life is, which is like, I work like I have like my different projects. Like I have the podcast, I have this, I have that. So I'm like running around during the day doing them and I'll see you, I'll see Katie, I'll see different people, yeah. but it's like for like hour, like an hour here, hour there. And then big social plan at night. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm meeting someone, I, yes. a, a director I worked with last, like a couple weeks ago for drinks tonight. And that'll be like, when the work day is done, I'm going to do that. And yeah. that'll be the rest of my night. And I like to have like that cut off of like, and then I do a thing for the night. Can I ask you some questions about you in case I never see you again? Oh my God, please. So what do you, do? is this what you do now? I do like a mix of things. So I do the podcast. I do, um, I do stand up. Yeah. I do, I have like a, a I have like a project that's like a, hasn't been announced yet. That's like a thing I'm doing. And then I have, um, I do like ads. So you don't work in restaurants anymore. No, I stopped in September. And was that like a big deal? Yeah, it was like a huge, it definitely was like a big deal in a lot of, it was like, it had always been, it's funny because like when I first moved to New York, I was like, do I think I want to be a comedian and an actor. And I also really love working in restaurants. So I thought I had, I thought I had it made. Cause I was like, I can do both. Like I can, um, I can like, um, what's the fucking term? I could like hedge my bets. Like yeah, I had like, yeah. I had things on both ends. Like it's, I was like, if restaurants don't work out or like if, if acting doesn't work out, I'll have restaurants and like whatever. And like, so that's fine. And that's why I worked at that restaurant. Cause it was like such a fancy career. Totally. And then I realized how brutal a lifelong career in hospitality was. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, fuck, I need to not that being an actor and a comedian is much more stable. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, I, I also just realized like, Oh, one of these is actually like my true dream. And I just like, wasn't willing to go after it. And so then it was like, fuck, I need to like make this happen. And then, so then it became like this huge goal of mine to get out of restaurants. And I really villainized okay. restaurants and I really felt like restaurants were the thing that were like, it was like helping me pay my bills and it was getting things done. But at the same time, I also like, it was the thing that was preventing me from getting where I was going because it took so much energy. It was so hard because the thing was I was working. I always worked in like good restaurants that people who want a career in the restaurant industry should work at, which yeah. is what I should not have been doing because I also work, cared about it. And so I was, I was working hard. Uh -huh. I wasn't like showing up and phoning it in yeah. at Rosemary's. I will shout out to Rosemary's. If you, I worked with the Rosemary's by the end, I was phoning it the fucking at Rosemary's. <laughs> the Rosemary's in the village. I worked there for four years Wow, and it was a great gig. They were great to me. It was yeah. a really good gig. By the end, I was a hundred percent phoning in and I can't deny it. I was on my phone all the time. That's the one where they have like the herb garden on the roof, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, but, but then when I, and then I went to Kindred, which was the last restaurant I was at before I left. And I loved working there and it was really amazing. And they treated us so well. And that was also during the pandemic. So there was a period where like comedy didn't like the entertainment oh, industry yeah. like turned off. And so then I just was, I just was a restaurant person with no entertainment career, like prospects or energy at all. And it was actually quite nice. And then 
when things started to like pick up for me with comedy and with entertainment, I sort of started to like freak out because I was like, oh fuck, like I actually now don't have the energy to do restaurants, but uh-huh. I'm not quite ready to leave. Yeah. Like I'm not able, like I'm not quite financially ready to leave. And I'm also like emotionally, I don't know if I'm ready, yeah. but then I kind of just had to, because it was like, I can't like turn down these opportunities to do this, but like, this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. So like, it was a very weird, like it didn't happen exactly in the way it did, but it was definitely a huge life shift. Like when I left restaurants, I was like this, and I feel like I'm still going through the transition yeah. eight months later, hundred percent. Can I give you a little advice? Please. I remember when I became a full-time podcaster and this was before I decided to like have a podcast network Yeah, and we were successful enough that we, me and Jillian were both able to quit our jobs. And then my husband was able to quit his job and come be like our manager. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and I remember feeling like it felt very stable, but at the same time, it felt like it could all go away tomorrow and we would be like right back to where we were, except now we couldn't get a job. Breath. Like it just like that, that panic of like, and I remember one day in therapy saying to my therapist, you know what? I'm never going back. This is my life now. It's this or better, you yeah. know? And it, it was a mental shift in that moment of like, oh, I can let go of that worry because it's not going to go. Like you like just have to decide that it's Everything's going to be fine. What you're doing, you, if I may be so bold, are like a phenomenal talent. Like, Thank you. Like That's a true so nice. My agent called me and was like, do you know this guy? I was like, which guy? He's like, there's this gay guy on TikTok. I'm like, you're talking, I know you're talking oh about Jake. And he, he texted me uh, your video and I was like, Oren, and my, my agent, his name is Oren Rosenbaum, UTA. He's the guy. He's like the most, oh my like, God, that's so he's nice. the podcast agent. And he, and I, and I, we talked about you for 20 minutes. I was oh like, God. he's, there's, you have something. Excuse me, I'm not crying. I'm choking. <laughs> you have something like he's so excited, special. but he's not. That, I'm not that great. Yeah, no, there's just something about you, and it's. Thank it's, you. That's really sweet. Yeah, I'm. I'm truly honored to be here and to meet you. Like it's the you are a phenomenal talent. That is very very nice, and thank you for saying that. And that's very helpful advice. I mean, you. I mean, what you guys have done with your podcast is so hugely impressive. Thanks. And it's like, it's. But you're right. It is like this thing of like. It is just like. It, it, it does feel like it could all go away. Yeah. It does feel like it yeah. all it could all go away because it's like, it is like at the end, it feels like it is on some level, it's based on like a social aspect of like people like you. Yeah. People like you and want to invest. But that's that not going to change. You know what I mean? Knock like, on wood. Well, but but, but that was the place I had to get to. Because yeah. my, my stock and trade is similar. We do very different things, but like my success is based on people liking me. Yeah. You yeah. know? And I remember realizing at some point like, Oh, it's not an act. Like what the what the me 100%. that I am on my podcast is the reason the podcast is successful is because I'm so Jillian and I are both so authentic. Yeah, and it's irreplaceable. Yes. You know what I mean. So yeah. like, no matter what happens with TikTok, could shut down tomorrow. You would just move all that success yeah. to Instagram. You know, like the the you that you are selling is just very very unique. Thank you. That is very, very nice. Yeah, <laughs> it's true though. And, and I'm so excited to see where you go and what you do, you know, because like, I love that you're I not promise just, I did not pay Patrick no. to be on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, you're doing all the things like you're doing your show and you're touring and you're doing this and you're doing the TikTok stuff. I don't know how you come up with it. Like it's exciting to see you expanding in all these areas because you're going to have success in all of them. Thank you. That's really nice. That's really, really nice. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's like, it is like, it, it's, I've been a huge life shift. It's very, I think what you just actually mentioned has been specifically the hardest part was the fact that it's, I like, 
I have like so many jobs now. Like, yeah, yeah. Like the doing the like, especially like with the show going to Fringe, it's so crazy. Like yeah. doing this is the him and her show, Man and Woman. Yeah, Man, yeah. Oh, sorry, no, fuck. that's him, yeah. him and her. It's like very similar. <laughs> but it's like it's very crazy to me to have like like normally like that like in my previous life it would have been like. I have my restaurant job and then one other big thing. Yep. Like it yep. was like UCB for a long time yep. or it was like this other thing. And now it's like, I have like, like I have to like run home from this, this recording to do that. Th and it's like, that's, and I'm sure it's similar to you with like having your own podcast and the network where it's oh, like, yeah. it's just a very different thing than like, I just, the thing of like working in restaurants and working in hospitality and like showing up and being like, I am so good at this skill for the next six hours yeah. and then it's done. Yep. Like that part of my life is over. Yeah. And I'm still learning because like, like my boyfriend will be like, you cannot work on a Saturday. And I'm like, but I can't like, I'm actually, and the thing is he thinks I'm like obsessed and I'm like, no, I'm actually not at the place where I can't like until I yeah. need to get a little farther along and then I can't. But like right now, like I'm working on a Saturday for like maybe a couple hours. Like I am working on a Saturday. I'm I remember saying to Steve, like I remember realizing I could get all the work I needed to get done in a week done. If I worked on the weekends, I yeah. was like, Oh my God, it's two extra days. Yeah. You, can get, you can get it all done. Yeah. And it's like, maybe one day I'll be able to delegate back or whatever, but like right now, or like, yeah. maybe like when fringe is over, like right now it's like, I'm working on the weekends. Yeah. And like, that's just what it is. And it's like, I, and Here's the thing. I am still happier than I was in restaurants. And I wasn't miserable in restaurants. I've been very fortunate to yeah. be happy most of my life. That's amazing. Because that, the thing about the, the what I was thinking about with you working in restaurants was that re restaurants fed you in a way it doesn't feed most creative I people. I had to get there, though. Yeah. I hated it. And the thing is, I, I had to get there because I hated it for so long. And then I was, I realized I was like, I'm more focused on getting out of restaurants than I am on being successful at comedy. Uh huh. Like I'm uh -huh. so focused. I'm obsessed with getting out of this. I'm not focused on what actually is going to get me out, which is doing well at this thing. Yep. And that was when I was like, I can't work. Like that was why I left that first restaurant. That was so brutal. That's why I left the hotel. I stayed at Rosemary's for so long because when I showed up to Rosemary's, Rosemary's had already been open for like eight years at that yep. point. And it was a well fucking oiled machine. Yeah. I was like, I'd be like, what happens if like the bar Bartender doesn't show up, and you, like I was so ready for all these crises that yeah. had happened at all my other places. I'd be like, "What happened?" And they were like, "That just doesn't happen here." Right? And I was like, "Oh, okay." And yeah, it was like a yeah. well-oiled machine, and so I stayed for four years because it was dependable. Like I knew like how things were going to work. I like roughly knew how much money I was going to make every yeah. week. Like it was really stable in that way. And like when I like um and but but I still like resented it to an extent. And then that was when I sort of had to pivot and be like, especially when I started working at Kindred where I had to be like, wait, I like this. Yeah. And it's okay to like this and still want to leave it. Uh huh. And also that was when I started doing comedy about it. Yeah. And for so long, because I had villainized it for so long, I felt like I couldn't do any comedy about it because I, I was really afraid if people knew I was a restaurant person, they wouldn't take me seriously as an actor uh -huh. and they wouldn't uh -huh. take me seriously as a comedian. And yep. so I was like, I have to. Cause every make... comedian is just independently wealthy. <laughs> Most of them are. Is that like, right? Well, I mean, that was like the crazy thing was like when I started at UCB, I kind of assumed, like, because UCB was, like, where I first, the Bright Citizens Grade was where yeah, I yeah. first, like, started doing comedy stuff. And then, like, I branched out after, like, I left or whatever, or it closed. And, but, like, I remember, like, when I started out, I kind of, like, naively assumed that, like, I think I kind of, like, naively assumed that the, like, everyone was going to show up on, like, an even playing field. Uh-huh. Because also, like, I didn't grow up around rich people. Uh-huh. Like, like, I would say, like, the richest girl in my school had, like, her parents were doctors and she drove a new Honda Civic. Like, that was the <laughs> richest girl in my school. Uh -huh. Do you know what I mean? Uh -huh. It's not, like, I didn't know how rich rich people were because yeah. like, also, especially when you go to college and everyone lives in the dorms, it kind of just feels like everyone's the same totally. rich. And yeah. also, like, Burlington, which is where I went to college, like, even the rich kids are, like, ski bums, so they look like shit. Yeah. And so, <laughs> like, it just didn't feel like, like, I didn't know. And so then when I got to New York, I 
thought we were all going to show up to try to be comedians and be on the same playing field. Yeah. And then I would, just, I would immediately like, wait, how do you pay your rent? And they were like, my dad does. And I was like, Okay. Like I'm there's no way. And like yeah, you just yeah, kind of yeah. have to learn like oh like it's going to have to and like that's a huge lesson I think you have to learn when you're doing this is like whether you're like being a podcaster, a comedian, an actor, it's like you can't compare yourself to someone else's path because like if you do that, you're setting yourself up for failure and their success is going to happen no matter what. Like they're yes, going to like yes. no matter how mad you get at the fact that they didn't have to pay their own rent they still won't yes. and they're still going to go on and be successful. Uh-huh. So stop thinking about it. Focus on how to pay your own because that's your reality. Yep. And then like maybe when you're at the top, remember that feeling and look back at how you can be more equitable than yep. it was for you. Totally. But, like, you compl- like you fighting against it in the moment is only fucking you over. And I wish I had realized that a lot earlier. Yeah. But like when, yeah, I remember like when I got there, yeah, so many comedians, I was like, wait, your dad does what? Your mom does what? You have how much money? You grew up where? Like, and just realizing like so many people, because I mean, it makes sense. Like it's a self, like no one is for, no one is forced to do comedy. Thank God. You know what I mean? We all do this and no one is forced to go into acting. Like it is a thing that people like, I guess some child actors probably are, but like no adult is forced into acting. No adult is forced to do doing comedy. And like, I think it's a naturally self-selecting thing where like the less risk you have in your life, the less likely are you, or the, yeah, like the less of a risk it is, the more likely you are to take it. Like if you have a huge net under you, you're more likely to go into this risk thing. So yeah, yeah, a huge number of those people were like, had a shit fucking ton of money. Wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I mean, it just like makes sense. You know what I mean? It's like, it's cause it's like, it's hard. Like, do you take, like when you're, if you're trying to figure out a job, it's like, okay, do you want to be a comedian? Then you need to find a day job so you can be free at night for mics. Uh-huh. But are, uh-huh. Do you also want to be an actor? Then you have to do a day job where you also can leave to audition. Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, what's going on? I think it's a little bit easier now because all auditions are self-taped. So now you can like, you could be working a day job and do your self tape when you get home. Yeah. But like back when I moved here, it was like you, when you got, when I would get an audition, which happened once every 200 years, <laughs> it was like for the next day at noon. And I was yeah. like, I have a lunch shift. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So it was like, yeah. it, you had to like figure it just, it was a really, it's an interesting sort of system. But you found your own way, you know, like you made yeah. your own way, like you're doing your own thing. And like, that's something that you figured out how to do that, that you always yeah. be able to do. And you were being, so you were a concierge when you started the podcast. Yeah, I was. Yes, I I started a different. I was like a theater podcaster for a while, yeah. just because I like loved podcasts and I loved theater, and I was making a Broadway podcast where I was interviewing Broadway people. Um, and then I, I honestly, truly wanted to make a true crime podcast, but I also wanted to make money making a podcast. And I yeah. thought, if there's any genre that I'm going to be able to do that in, it's going to be true crime. I met Jillian, who was also a theater podcaster, and. We we kind of just like we were like let's make a true crime podcast together. What's it gonna be? And we had this idea for like we had this idea. I wanted to do like a three segmented podcast where the first part would be true crime news, and this middle part we would like talk about a thing like a documentary or a podcast, and then the final part would be an interview with somebody from the true crime world. And we made a pilot. We actually did all three segments. And in the middle segment, we were we had both watched the documentary The Imposter, which is like a bananas documentary. Yeah. Is that the one about the boy who gets found, but it's not the boy? Yes. Yeah. It's so crazy. And we were kind of recapping it, but not really. We were kind of just talking about it. And Jillian and I were new friends. I didn't know her that well. And she was just making me laugh so hard. And I was like, you can hear me like laughing off mic because I didn't know if it was appropriate to laugh yeah, or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was making her laugh, but we were, we were never laughing about the crime or the family or the, it was always about the, the, the other stuff, the stuff in the margins. And when I went to edit the first episode, I remember thinking like, oh God, this is so good. Like this middle part is so good and no one is doing any podcast light. Like there's so many true crime documentaries and nobody's like talking about them. And I remember calling Jillian and being like, I think 
I don't, this isn't what we wanted to make, but I think like this is the thing. It's just the middle part. Yeah. yeah. And so she was like, all right, let's do it. And that was it. We, you know, we called it True Crime Obsessed, which is a terrible title because it tells you nothing about what the podcast is. <laughs> but it's a great title because if you go to uh, like Apple podcast and you Google true crime, it's like one of the first ones that yeah. comes up. Um, and yeah. And here we are like 600 episodes later, you know, amazing. yeah, it's been five years. The other, like a, a couple weeks ago, months ago, Jillian was like, we're about to do our, hit our five year anniversary. Wow. And I was like, Oh my God. And when I look back at where we started, like we were recording episodes in my living room in Harlem where we each had like a million other jobs. She was freelancing. She had a million jobs. I had a job, you know, to like where we are now where both of us like this is our full time job yeah. and we have an office and a beautiful podcast studio that's air conditioned and you know like where we've come in five years it's it's been totally like life changing that's so amazing yeah but it's like it's similarly like you were focused you, you weren't like sitting down being like how do I get out of a hotel concert yeah. like you were like being like oh I like this you know what I mean like yeah. I think that is like the trick and it's like it's so hard to get to that place like yeah. when you were working these jobs that but like similarly I think part of it was probably you were enjoying being a concierge. Like, yeah, I did like You do have it. to find, I think that there is like a romance. I remember like talking to my friend once, like there's a romance to the starving artist yeah. and there's a no, there's a romance to the like hustling, like worked down artist. Yeah. And it's like, hey, I don't actually think it's helpful to your creative process, whatever your art form is, if that's being a podcast, if that's being a painter, if that's being a comedian, like I don't think it's actually helpful to your process to have to spend 30 to 60 hours a week of your week fucking miserable. Yes. Like find totally. a job that is like, Passable. I'm yep. not saying you to go there and it's like all your best friends, you have the best time because that actually might be distracting. Totally. That was like another reason I loved Rosemary. So I was like, these people, I don't want to hang out with these people. Yeah. We don't go out after work, but I like being around them uh -huh. enough for the day. And that's a major thing in the restaurant business is that like if you have ambitions beyond that, you have to really. Um, you have to really make yourself like the rest. You can lose yourself in the fun of restaurant friends. Yeah. If you catch yourself like six months in and you're like, I've gone out every night after work. Yeah. I, I get it. And it's so fun. Yeah. And you can have that life. Yep. But just take a moment to assess. Yeah. Just take a moment to assess. <laughs> exactly. 100% take a moment to assess. <laughs> this has been so, so fun. Thank this you for having me. Best. I love to plan. And I know you have an eight year old, so I have to plan around it. But I like to end our episodes with planning a night out together. <gasps> Don't you dare. <laughs> I would love that. But I love it. I love an early meetup. So this could Great. work out well. Perfect. So you live in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. What's this? Let's do. I never go out there. So let's do Hell's Kitchen. Like what's a restaurant you love? All right. Let's do this. Come to my house for a drink on the roof. Love. We'll do a drink on the roof. Absolutely adore. And then we'll go. You know where I've never been? No. Casalula. Have I've, you been? I've never heard of it. Casalula is like a cheese and wine place. I love. Should we do that? Yeah, I love cheese and wine. Oh my God. Perfect. And it's right around the corner from my place. Oh, perfect. Okay, yeah. this will be great. I love it. Okay, perfect. I'm going to hold you to it. I don't know if this is no, real or not, but we're doing it. Send me a DM and we'll do it. All right, amazing. This was perfect. Thank you so much for listening to Going Out with Jake Cornell. If you could please go and rate and review us on whatever you're listening to this on, that would be really gorgeous for me in a huge way. So thank you. And now for some credits. Going Out with Jake Cornell is recorded in New York City and produced by Keith Beavers and Katie Brown. The music you're hearing is by Darby Seaside. The cover art you're probably looking at was photographed by M. Cooper and designed by Danielle Grinberg. And a special shout out to Vinepair co-founders Josh Mallon and Adam Teeter for making all of this possible.